Смареко! 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 Поехали! Опа! Brothers from Ukraine, Petro and Pavlo, Peter and Paul, and a song about a fir tree, Smereka. Dobry večer, šenovni radiosluhači, ta vitaju vas vsih na radio peredaču naš holos radio Ukrinskoho Korinja, katera podjetje vam, jak svečajno na bahatomovni radiostanci AM 1320 CHMB v misti Vancouveri i pomaraži PCJ radio mižnorodnemu. Pri mikrofoni Pavino Akori, djakuju što rišale parabute ze mnoju nastupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. I'm your host, Paulette Demchuk-McCorrie, Pokerinska Pavlina, and I am delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you in this next hour. Uh, we've got an interview from the past, actually, about a book that... Um, is actually very, very timely, all the more so now than when it was written in 2011 and when that interview took place, uh, all of it quite um, still very timeless. So thought of it and thought of you, and I'm sharing it again. As well, we've got another story about another hero of Ukraine on Ukraine War Amps Heroes, uh, courtesy Catherine Anna Olga Cook. 
So stay tuned for all of that, as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And we started out with a song about a tree, and we'll carry on on that theme uh, with a song about another uh, tree. It is uh, Ukraine's national tree, you could say, and it is uh, very fruitful right about now. The high bush cranberry, otherwise known as the gilder rose, otherwise known in Ukrainian as kalena. And here is... Kobza to sing all about it. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Протекла, мов кров з ножа, по степу тонка межа. Ліворуч битва, а справа бій, чигає смерть у далі голубі. Ми йдемо, одна сім'я, сто бійців і з ними я. На сто бійців 
воден наказ День за днем, кто знает, где Был наказ и сотня йде Крізь вогонь и куль полит Крізь вугилля и крізь гранит Мы идем одна семья Donchenko singing the Ukrainian rendition of the Ballad of the Green Berets, uh, which is a patriotic song about the United States Army Special Forces, and it went on to be a huge hit back in the 1960s, and uh, has been translated and uh, repurposed in various different languages around the world since that one most recently uh, in Ukrainian. Uh, back uh, just shortly after the Maidan uprising. Stobiutsi translates as 100 fighters or warriors, and uh, that refers to the 100 who perished uh, at the Maidan uprising back in 2014, which morphed later into uh, the current ongoing war of aggression that Russia is waging on Ukraine and uh, continues on to this day. Ukraine, of course, has its own heroes today, which we talk about on our special Ukraine War Amps series coming up next. Welcome to Ukraine War Amps Heroes, a series of stories about hope, patriotism, and courage. These stories are created out of a spirit of caring and support for Ukrainian defenders of freedom fighting Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Jean Berezelsky of Ukraine War Amps brings us the people behind these inspiring stories of triumph over adversity, stories made possible by the generous supporters of Ukraine War Amps. There's much going on in the world today, and we don't hear the half of it on the mainstream news. It's easy to default to blaming them for not doing a good enough job of telling stories that are important to us, like the atrocities being committed in Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. 
But we have to remember that it is not their job to educate the world, nor is it to set right all the wrongs in it. At any rate, it's an impossible task. Here on Nasholos, like every other community radio program, we are volunteers trying to keep our listeners informed to the best of our ability. We operate on shoestring budgets, if any at all. We rely on the dedication and passion of volunteers who care about preserving our Ukrainian heritage, including and especially those who are willing to risk life and limb for it. That's why this series, Ukraine War Amps Heroes. Jean and John are doing fantastic work through Ukraine War Amps in Toronto to help Ukrainian soldiers wounded in this senseless, vicious war and the families of those who perished. They are volunteers too, and the need is great. Unfortunately, few people are aware of it. Given the generous spirit of Ukrainians and most decent human beings, being aware of great need is often the first step towards stepping up to help. One of Ukraine War Amp's wonderful volunteers, Catherine Olga Cook, from the state of Maine in the United States, has agreed to join Oksana and me here on Nasholos on this series. Catherine has been on the front lines meeting with the heroes of this war and helping them with their struggles to reclaim their lives. Last week, she told us about Vadim Babenko, who was captured and tortured by the Russian military. Thanks to Ukraine War Amps, he has begun to reclaim his life. He still has a long way to go but at least now he has hope, as well as help. Vadim's story is tragically not unique. There are so many others who need help. The Ukraine War Amps programs Adopt a Soldier and Visit a Soldier are designed to support wounded heroes and their families in their struggle to return to a normal life. Catherine is a Ukraine War Amps supporter and volunteer who has adopted and visited several Ukraine War Amps heroes. We've heard Vadim's story, and today Catherine will share the story of Stanislav. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us again and for sitting through that long monologue. <laughs> thank you, Paulette. It's very nice to be here. Now, I wanted to just say again how amazed I am at the work that you've been doing with Ukraine War Amps and, uh, you know, apologize for not talking sooner to you about this and about, you know, starting this series to share your story because we just don't know about them. No, well, normal people wouldn't know about them. The media does not speak of it. People don't have much contact with Ukraine or Ukrainians. And I am just so fortunate to be able to have been there and met all these heroes. And most of them I have met, it hasn't been really planned. And I'm so fortunate to have been there and to be exposed to not only what's going on in Ukraine, but to have met the heroes that are helping to fight against the Russians. Maybe two years ago, Gene knew I was going to Ukraine, and he asked me if I would deliver money from donors in Canada to certain heroes that they have adopted. And it was a faster way to get money because, as you know, with Ukraine war amps, there is no sending of money or diverting money. It is straight into the soldiers' hands. Right. So I had the donation from the individual in Canada and arranged to go and see Stanislav at his home. I had no idea of his history or his story. It was just another one of the wounded heroes. So they expected me and we went to his house, which is a very humble house. And his wife met me outside. Natalia, she was all dressed up and I could smell perfume and her makeup was perfect and she was so excited to see me. And we went into the house and into the bedroom and I had no idea what his wounds were, what his issue was, but there is this man, boy really, sitting on the side of the bed looking terribly sick. There was no obvious wounds and he said, do you know my story? I said, no. And he said, I went into the army, although I shouldn't have, because I had hepatitis, and I went in, and I was in the Battle of Avdiivka. Avdiivka was one of the deadliest battles, and that was in 2017. There are a lot of mining around Avdiivka, and during the explosions, there was a lot of radiation released into the air. Um, His wound, or his, his hepatitis progressed, his cirrhosis progressed, And now he has cancer in his thyroid, which although the doctors have not 
specifically said this is from radiation. As a medical professional, I know that this is indicative of radiation to cause this type of cancer so fast in a person, so violent, because it has spread and he has been in and out of hospitals since 2017. Um, Still, he has hope. He hopes for not necessarily a cure, but a quality of life to live with his family for as long as he can. Um, I passed over the donation, and I called him friend, and his face lit up. And he says, yes, we are friends now. And this young man has written to me since then. We've messaged and written and spoke. Uh, He has appealed to me to, to try to get him some extra help. I have spent money to him on his birthdays and our celebrations. And anything I give him is so well received by him and his family. He recently got out of the hospital again. He was in quite a bad way and was a respiratory failure from what I understand by his messages and really didn't know what was going on and got a pneumonia. He was posting on Facebook that he wanted to sell his watch because this is a family that have sold everything to get money for medicines and care. They have sold their wedding rings. They have sold household items. They have sold treasures that they had, pictures and artwork that they had since their marriage. And when I saw him trying to sell his watch, I thought, oh, and I showed it to my husband and he goes, buy the watch. And he wanted $33 for it. And he said to buy the watch. And I said, I can't buy his watch. I can give him money, but I can't buy his watch. And my husband, Michael, said, no, tell him you want his watch, but he's supposed to keep it and wear it and make sure it still works by the time I next get there. Said, okay, good idea. So, And then you'll conveniently forget. <laughs> that was my plan. But then I told him I would buy the watch. And he said, okay. And I didn't send him the $33. I sent him 90 And then he goes, where to send the watch? And I said, no, you keep it, you know, get it when I get there. And the next couple of weeks, I didn't hear from him. But last week I did. And he goes, I collected coins and antiquities, special things from Ukraine. I would like him to give them as a gift. And I answered back, no, for a start, it's illegal. You cannot send antiquities out of Ukraine without special permission. I said, that's too valuable a gift. I said, just be healthy and be my friend and that's all I want. So he goes, thank you for your kind words. And I said, how much is the coins worth? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you because you'll do the same thing as you did with the watch. And I said, what did I do with the watch? He goes, you did not take the watch. You want me to have the watch and you sent me money for nothing. So I'm not telling you how much the coins are worth. Oh. (laughs) Oh. What a character. But he is, he is. Oh, my goodness, I've seen before and after pictures of him when he was in the Army and now, and you would not think this is the same person. This man is so sick. Constant pain. But he had told me in a message recently that he has two best friends, me and Ukraine War Amps. Oh, my goodness. Because he can count on both of us. And that is the the relationship that Ukraine War Amps gives these these heroes they don't only give them donations they give them hope they give them encouragement he tells me when he speaks to gene he gets nothing but encouragement and hope and that keeps him going oh see that's that is the unspoken that's the the priceless gift that comes along with the little bit of money that we can we can send them um you know yes the money, yes, is needed. It's necessary for physical things. But, mm. you know, if it just came from, you know, and it would work if it just came from like the government or something faceless, but, you know, just an institution. But the human touch, the the caring, the love that comes with yes. it, the, the, just the, the sense they, they, that they are valued because really they're all suffering PTSD and they're oh, right? that's another subject. Yes, that is a huge subject. Yes, that they do not know how to deal with. Yeah, there is <sighs> there is an organization. I don't know if you're aware of um, Hope Worldwide Canada. It's also based in Toronto, and I think that Jean and uh, Taras 
perhaps have spoken about collaborating, but um, they are working uh, with Ukraine as well, kind of training professionals there. But there are, what, yeah. over a million displaced people from the eastern Ukraine that they're working to help. And, of course, limited funds. And there are many, yeah. uh, you know, loss of life alone was over 10,000. I don't know what it's climbed up to now. But then, you know, these people, the walking wounded, literally, that yeah. uh, there is, you know, there's still government corruption that, you know, money that sh- could be going to them is lining the pockets of, you know, corrupt politicians, politicians bureau- bureaucrats, whoever. And, uh, and these, so these poor people are, are struggling and think nobody cares. And here, you know, somebody, an American or Canadian comes along and gives them $50, $90 um, and some conversation and a smile. Yeah. They, they don't get the donations in the mail. They get it from a person, and that's very important too. Right. So somebody will go um, and make and make this donation, or like Jean, like as in the case with Vadim Babenko, Jean goes through another soldier who travels and visits him, right, and okay. gives him the money. So it's it's always hand just to the soldier, right? Now what so it they, doesn't go anywhere else. How are they doing it now with the lockdown? Nobody can travel. I am not sure how Jean is managing it, but I do know that they are still getting the donation. Okay. Well, they that have, has not stopped. Well, they have people on the ground, so I guess they can do transfers to people like like um, our mutual friend Nick Budarovsky, who was yes. our translator and does tireless work um, on the ground mm-hmm. in Ukraine as a, a liaison with Ukraine war amps. Yes. Also, to uh, specific friends, you can always send with MoneyGram. It's very easy send Ukraine with that. Right. Um, and they can pick that up at the post office. They pick up money there. Okay. So that's another option if rather than going through Ukraine war amps. I think going through Ukraine war, war amps, uh, that keeps a better record of who is getting helped and how much. And that's the importance of if you do a donation, no matter how small, if you tell Gene you're going to do it monthly, he has a great, he has great accounting skills, and so if one soldier is not getting enough help, he can even it out so that everyone is getting help. Gene is excellent with doing that. I use MoneyGram as special presents to people, like if it's somebody's birthday or Christmas, right. and then I will send extra with that for their family. Yeah, after you've made them. After I've made my donation, yeah. That's strictly through Ukraine War Amps and Adopt a Soldier. Right, yeah. that's a, It's a great program. And, of course, visit a soldier when we're able to travel again. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling us about uh, Vadim and today Stanislav. And um, you, even though you've adopted him, it's possible for others to adopt him as well. I suppose. Yeah. Is that- he is not my adopted soldier. He is someone in Canada. Oh, I see. I was just a liaison. As I told him, he is my friend. Oh. <laughs> so it goes beyond just being, just adopting a soldier. It becomes a network oh, yes. of friends. I believe so, yes. Because I have delivered money to many soldiers who I have not adopted, but again, it comes mostly from Canada, sometimes from the U.S., and I've just developed friendships with them because of that one meeting and it's impossible to meet a Ukrainian and say goodbye thank you you know you keep (laughs) connections because these are such fabulous people yeah they are so they are so warm and um Ukraine war amps is an absolute godsend to them as well as to us those of us who want to make a connection those of us who you know um want to know what are our roots and keep connected with our roots and what a what a great way to do that is to make a donation through ukraine war amps to adopt a soldier later on visit a soldier and uh, just build a network a, a new community and before you know it, you have another family exactly and you can never have too much family <laughs> no no. So, and especially with what is going on recently over there, these soldiers need as much encouragement and love as we can send them. Yes. Well, Catherine, thank you again for sharing Stanislav's story today and look forward to getting to, to meet another hero through 
you uh, on this series. Mm-hmm. And next time we, we speak, um, perhaps you can tell us about some of the terrible things that are going on um, in Ukraine that these people are facing just in their daily life that we yeah. don't know about and um, should. Yes. Hopefully it'll look a little better the next time I speak to you, and that would be good. That would be. Thank you again, mm-hmm. Catherine. My pleasure, Paulina. Thank you. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukraine War Amps Heroes, a series of inspiring stories of hope, patriotism, and courage made possible by the generous supporters of Ukraine War Amps. Find out more about their work by visiting their website, ukrainewaramps.ca, or follow them on Facebook and Twitter. This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. Those who find the reasons there's no
nothing you can do So which of them are you? And from London, England, Stepan Pusichnik and his two lovely daughters, Natalka and Christina, singing an original composition, There's Two Kinds of People, with uh, a message that really needs no further commentary from me. It speaks pretty loudly. Coming up next is a song that tells the story in Ukrainian of the kind of ongoing historical reality of war in Ukraine, Povstansi. Я був повстанцем в козацькій борні. Славного Богдана в визвольній війні. Навіть на страту самужністю йшов. Я був повстанцем за свободу лив кров. Я був сотником у залізняка. Майданських загонах хартувалась рука, крізь огнисту броні шли до бою ми знов. Я був повстанцем за правду кров. Я був чорним вороном, покійним до тіні. У холодного яру останні години. Хто ворогу здався, кого страх поборов, Прийде повстанець і пролля вашу кров. Я був лісовим братом на Волині, До кінця опирався червоній лавині, Від безсилої люті скаржені в людолов. Я повстанець, Лютого на Майдані Проти снайперів, перкоту та поліцаїв Так добре напалм на броні запалав Я повстав за свободу, свою кров проливав Я повстав, це залишуся, аж до загину не прогнати мене і своєї країни, щоб зрадиці виплід у пекло зійшов. Я воюю на сході, кипить моя кров. Так я повстанець і кипить моя кров. Я повстав за свободу, тече моя кров. Recently, I came across an interview from 2011 with Mila Komarnitsky, the author of a novel set in 20th century Ukraine called Wretched Land. As the title suggests, it deals with the most devastating events in Ukraine during the first part of that century. Yet, despite the title, I found the story to be utterly heartwarming and incredibly inspiring. The characters all seem to be composites of my own extended family members, although all my known relatives were already in Canada when the story was taking place. Wretched Land received the Anna Pedruchny Award for New Writers shortly after its release. It's a novel with a powerful message, especially what is happening in our world today, a century later. Interviews are often timeless, like this story, so I thought I would share this interview with you again. Mila Komorniski, author of Wretched Land. Thank you very much, Colette, for inviting me to participate in your radio show. Mila, this is your first novel. Um, what inspired you to write not just this novel, but any novel at all? Well, like like other authors, I, I really never dreamed to be a writer. Um, 
I have a veterinary degree from Ukraine, where I came from to Canada to live with my husband, Canadian citizen, and I earned a Doctor of Philosophy degree from Alberta University in Canada, and uh, I got a job as a postgraduate researcher. However, I got sick and I had to retire, and uh, I didn't know what to do with my spare free time, so I decided to improve my English language skills, and to make it more interesting, I decided to write stories. Hmm. Yeah. So, so that's novel, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So after reading uh, one old Ukrainian history book, the novel Wretched Land was born. Um, and uh, yeah, I took the novel writing course and I learned the art and craft of novel writing, and I fell in love with process. And now I cannot think about anything else but the novels. <laughs> that's funny, but that's how I became a writer. Amazing, amazing. So you've come to Canada. English is your second language, and here you are to learn English. You start to write stories, and you publish a novel. That's fantastic, Mila. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And that is inspiring, a, a, sto a story in itself, uh, for sure. So uh, you started reading a Ukrainian history book in English. So your reading isn't what inspired the story. So you never actually lived through any of these things yourself. Or did you, that you wrote about? No, I, I haven't lived. Uh, my grandparents lived. And when I read that, that story about Ukra uh, Ukrainian history book, I realized that there is certain things that I, when I lived in Ukraine, I didn't know about. Because, you know, Ukrainian history was changed to, to show everybody that everyone in the country loved communist regime and glorified Stalin. However, it wasn't true. Uh, like, we always thought that uh, fighters for Ukraine independence been mostly uh, Ukrainians who lived in western Ukraine. But in eastern Ukraine, we thought that everyone was glorifying communist regime. However, it happened to be that many fighters, prominent fighters for Ukraine's independence in eastern Ukraine, been perished during Stalin's uh, cruel regime, and their family names were wiped out. So I thought it would be nice to write a novel where I would show feelings, thoughts, and dreams of one family who lived through three wars, three famines, socialist revolution, and a cruel Stalinist regime. I wanted to show readers how one can survive so many ordeals and still be able to love, to be loved, to have hopes for a better future, and to feel happiness. The story is fictional, but it is interwoven into the fabric of Ukrainian history. It, you know what? It seemed so real to me. It, it, you know, I knew it was fiction when I was reading it, but, um, you know, being an avid, well, you know, I studied history in university. That was my major, and I specialized in East European history and have studied much since. So, you know, all the facts were were tight. You could, your research was is outstanding. And I could, in some ways, relate to that story. I mean, you know, my own grandparents that came over before the revolution, but it could very easily have, you know, there are parallels, it's not exactly the same, but, you know, they come from a landowning family as well, and, and they would have lost their estate just the way your characters did, and I'm not going to go any more into the story because we don't want to spoil it for listeners, but the fact that you said it in eastern Ukraine is interesting as well, because that's where you're from then, eastern Ukraine? Yes, that's where my family from eastern Ukraine. I wrote uh, the, the, the countryside was set in uh, Kharkiv uh, region and in the city of Kharkiv, and that's where I grew up. Wow, and you came to Canada when? In 1990, I came to marry my husband, uh, Selmer, who is a Canadian citizen. Uh -huh. and, and you live just outside of Edmonton now, where? Yeah, uh, I, I live in uh, Willingdon right now, but uh, my husband is, grew up in Riley uh, area. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody knows the town of Vegreville. 
which is famous for Ukrainian heritage. Yes. So we are around this town. Okay, well, very nice. So um, so we know the inspiration then um, for why you write, wrote this story was essentially a first to, to learn English. And you've, uh, you've come along quite nicely, you're, you know, uh, with your English. You're, uh, when, you, when you write a novel, obviously, you're, you're quite proficient in English. Now, you also, though, have kind of a behind-the-scenes role on, here on Nash Holos that, you know, listeners would not know about, but you're translating Natalka Buchok's Ukrainian food fair presentations from a cookbook uh, from 1929 Ukraine. And I was just wondering, uh, we're not going to talk too much about that because this is really about your book, but you have a PhD in nutrition and metabolism. Did that have, uh, was that a factor in you, your attraction to you? Uh, to volunteer to do the translations for this? Was the history? Was it the food? Was it a combination? Yeah, in in certain way, I'm interested in uh, culinary arts as well. Uh, I like cooking, by the way. When I wrote my uh, novel, I put a lot of descriptions of food preparation. Yes. The, the reason was to emphasize with the description of nice food, uh, Ukrainian food, I wanted to make, like, emphasize the, the famine, mm-hmm. yeah, to good food and famine. So it was kind of a distinction with that. So, and when I uh, heard about that cookbook, uh, I, it was because it's Ukrainian cookbook, I, I wanted to translate it. <laughs> it, it I was interested in, in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that, by the way. And uh, it's it's just wonderful to ha- to have you on board doing that and, and working with you is a delight. And I can see why your book was you're, you're such a hard worker and you're very methodical and you're very focused and dedicated. And I can see why this book is, is just is so captivating. I have to say that the title I wasn't sure if I even wanted to read this because I, I was expecting a really sad story. And it is sad, but it's inspiring. It's interesting. You made, you made it easy to relate, to understand what these people were going through, but without it being really painful for the reader. How did you? How did you? First of all, come up with a title, and how did you manage to do that? <laughs> well, I wanted because, like, my grand maternal grandparents. They, in general, prototypes of this novel, uh, like Metro and Christina. But I didn't want to write about my grandparents because their life wasn't that uh, really uh, reflected. All the events in in the country that we are, I wanted to take one family and when go went them through the entire uh, Ukrainian history, that they would have everything, just one family. And uh, I wanted to make the main hero, Dmitro, that he loved a land. He, he was a peasant because I wanted to show collectivization and the cruel Stalinist re- regime and how people glorified Stalin. And I wanted to make Metro a fighter for Ukraine's independence, that he's the one who knew the truth in the country, who knew about the famine in the country. And because Stalin took away land from peasants, I wanted Metro to dream about this land all his life and uh, dream about independent Ukraine when land will be really given to peasants in their free and restricted use. So the title, Wretched Land, reflects the turmoil the Ukrainian peasants went through with the ownership of the physical land as well as it is a symbol of the suffering the country, the land, experienced in the 20th century. Now, is there going to be a sequel, or a prequel for that matter, to to Wretched Land? Yeah, I'm thinking about writing a sequel to Wretched Land because the, the people who dreamed about independent Ukraine it's not really happened in Ukraine uh, as they dreamed about the country. Now there is crime, corruption, racketeering flooded the country, and there is so much to tell about what is going on now in Ukraine. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that uh, for sure. <laughs> I'm hoping you'll keep us posted. <laughs> and uh, if, when you're done your translations, I guess, of the cookbook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the priority right now. Well, um, thank you so much for giving us the information about your about your book, and I certainly encourage any Nash Holos listeners to get a copy of Wretched Land. And how can they do that, Mila? Uh, Wretched Land is available from uh, any Amazon bookstore and any other online bookstores. Uh, so uh, it's online. Awesome. Okay, so people can order it from anywhere online. Thank you so much, Mila, for uh, coming on Nash Hollis and telling us uh, all about your book. Thank you for that. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Повстанське серце б'є, але лента на бої поспішно подає, а клента за лентою на бої подавай, країський повстанче в бою не відступай, а клента за лентою на бої подавай, країський повстанче в бою не відступай. А ворог атакує і прийця, що сил, юнак кулеметник їх правно косив. А клента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не вступай. А клента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не вступай. Як сонце сходило, втомлений юнак, Упав він ранений, упав він на взнак. А клента зелентою на бої подавай, Країнський повстань, ще в бою не вступай. А клента зелентою на бої подавай, Країнський повстань, ще в бою не вступай. До нього санітарка поспішно йде, в обличчя вдивляєсь, його пізнає, а хлента зеленою на бої подала, Українські постачу бою не відступай, а хлента зеленою на бої подавай, Українські постачу бою не відступай. Пече в грудях храна, біля кулемета дівчина молода, а клента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче бою не вступай, а клента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче бою не вступай, а ворог атакує в останній. Повстанче в бою не відступай, а хлента зелентою на бої подавай. Країнський повстанче в бою не відступай.
And that was a group from Dryden, Ontario. I don't know if they're still uh, together or still around. Um, that CD goes back uh, many, many years. It is uh, The CD is called Oh Ukraine, and uh, that, of course, was the title track. And it is a song going back to the Sichovi uh, Studiozzi era of... Uh, around World War One, Ukraine fighting for independence. And before them, Taras Chubai with Lenta Zalentayu, uh, cartridges for the ribbon, and that goes back to the Second World War era of Ukraine fighting for its freedom. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver here on AM 1320 CHMB and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. In between broadcasts, please visit us online at www.nashholos.com to find transcripts, archived audio files, links to the podcast, and information about the show as well as to our Patreon site, www.nashholos.com. Nejame vshiskin chile nasho programu vshichastu domo iskazati do pobachenia, ale peritem tseme slovame mudroste. Nikto ne hoche znate, kole jemu pomerate. And our proverb of the week translates as, the time of one's death is something no one wants to know. And that brings us to the end of our program, so we'll wrap it up with the Playboy Band from Edmonton and the Kolomeka in C minor. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! If you enjoyed this edition of Nash Holos, please support the show. Buy us the digital equivalent of a cup of coffee through Patreon. There's a link at our website. Or, what if I told you that you could support Nash Holos by buying yourself coffee? Sounds crazy, but yes, you can support the show just by drinking coffee. Six days worth for $20. Go to www.nashholos.com to get yours. Drink coffee? Support Nash Holos. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.